Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. J.I. Packer, his classic book, Knowing God, he said this, What were we made for? What aim should we set ourselves in life? What is the best thing in life, bringing more joy, delight, and contentment than anything else? The answer to all these questions is the same. Knowing God. That's what we were made for. To know God. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the Gospel of John. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on John chapter 1, verses 1 through 3 and 14 and 18 in a message titled, God for All to See. Now here's Pastor Brian. Who would have ever dreamed that God's grace would extend to a Samaritan woman to the point that Jesus would reveal to her that he was the Messiah, which he hadn't revealed to anybody else. If Jesus is going to reveal his Messiahship, it's not going to be to a Samaritan. Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. There's racial tension between them. Who would have ever dreamed that a woman could be brought and cast down who was caught in the act of adultery and deserving to be stoned and yet have Jesus not stone her, not agree to anyone stoning her, but forgiving her and sending her on her way. You see, when John says full of grace and truth, John's thinking in his mind about what he experienced, what he saw. So Jesus, it's from him that the fullness of God's grace toward us flows. I love the way A.W. Tozer pictured this. He said, the penitent will find him merciful. The self-condemned will find him generous and kind. To the frightened, he is friendly. To the poor in spirit, he is forgiving. To the ignorant, considerate. To the weak, gentle to the stranger hospitable. Wow. Full of grace. Full of grace and truth. Think of that. Think of that woman who was brought by those leaders and cast down at the feet of Jesus. Do you think she was afraid? She was afraid for her life. Do you think she was ashamed? Oh, how ashamed she would have been. Do you think she had any hope that there was anything awaiting her except a judgment? Doubtful. But what does she find when she's cast at the feet of Jesus? She finds all of that. She finds that he's full of grace. You know, Jesus comes and he, he, this is, this is who God is, but this is the thing that's been lost in translation. This is the the truth about God that that nobody really realizes. And that was was the, the case when Jesus came. But listen, it's still the case today. Still today, people don't understand 
the fullness of God's grace, how gracious he is. I always love this description of the gospel that's given by Tim Keller because it's so true. He said the gospel, it's the message that we are more wicked than we ever dared believe, but more loved and accepted in Christ than we ever dared hope. That's the truth, full of grace. Where sin abounded, Paul says this in writing to the Romans, remember, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Today, know this, Jesus is full of grace. He is full of grace. And when we sin, when we fall short of the glory of God, when we do evil things, and when we come to him, he lavishes grace upon us as we come looking for his mercy, we find it. He is full of grace and full of truth. Full of truth. Well, we're going to talk more about the truth as we go on because there are many opportunities to do that here. But let me just say this. When it says that he is full of truth, here's, we could look at these three things or more, but we could look at it this way. Jesus is the truth, number one, about God. So is there a God? Yes, Jesus proves that. What is that God like? Look at Jesus and you will see. He's the truth about God. Secondly, Jesus is the truth about human beings. The word became flesh. The word became a human being. And in doing this, Jesus showed by his life what God intended when he created us. So what does Jesus show us about humanity? Jesus shows us that human beings were meant to live in fellowship with their maker, with God, to live in communion with him. And then thirdly, Jesus is the truth about life. If your conception of, of life does not have Jesus at the center of it, you're missing out on what life really is. Because he's the truth about life. As a matter of fact, he is life. We, we, we talked about that already. We'll talk about it again. When he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. There is no life apart from him. So life isn't something that exists on its own. Life comes through him. He is the life. So full of grace and truth. And now, verse 18, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. Well, no one has ever seen God. Now, what does that mean? Because it seems like it's wrong. It seems like, wait, I, there, there's places even back in the Old Testament where 
It says that they saw God. Exodus 24.10, it says that the elders of Israel, that they saw the Lord. They saw him. And then it describes what they saw. So why does John say no one has ever seen God? Well, there's, I think there's, there's two possibilities, maybe more, but, but one possibility is that, um, and, and this is obviously true as well, it's not just a possibility, it is a fact, but the question is, is that what John's referring to? It is a fact that no one has ever seen God in, in his glory. No one has ever seen God in, in his purest form as God. As a matter of fact, when Moses said to the Lord, Lord, just let me see you, the Lord said, Moses, no one can see me and live. And then Paul writes in his letter to Timothy, he speaks of God who dwells in the light that no one can approach. So, I mean, that is true. So no one has seen God in the fullest sense of who he is. But I think what's being declared here is that no one has seen God is a reference to the Father because immediately it goes on to talk about how the Father has been revealed. So no one has ever seen the Father. And then what that would tell us is that all of the revelation of God throughout all of human history has always come to us through the Son. So even when we're reading about those encounters and those moments back in the Old Testament period, that it's the Son. And just a interesting point for the Bible students in here. There's references, and think of Genesis. Think of when the Lord appears to Abraham and tells him to take his son, his only son Isaac, and offer him a sacrifice. It says that the angel of the Lord appeared to him. But as you read it, it's clear that the angel of the Lord is the Lord. And that's true also if you go forward to Moses. When Moses has the encounter at the burning bush in Genesis chapter 3, or Exodus chapter 3, I'm sorry. And the Lord is speaking to him, but, it, but the Lord is the angel of the Lord, but he is the Lord. So I think what John means is that no one's seen the Father. Now remember, in John's context, there would be all kinds of people who would claim to have seen God, believe in God, follow God, love God, represent God, John says, no, unless you have your revelation from the Son, you have no experience with God. And you see, that can be transferred out of the Jewish context of John's day, and that is true today. People today still claim to believe in God to follow God, to love God, and to even be serving God, but they adamantly reject Jesus for who the Bible says he is. So according to the scripture, the truth about those people is even though they would claim to know God, they don't know God because you can't know God because no one has ever seen God. But the one and only son who is himself God. Now, like I said earlier, in our day and age, we have to battle 
not so much for the humanity of Jesus, but for the deity of Jesus. Here is a great passage that states unequivocally that Jesus is God. Again, notice, no one has ever seen God, but the one and only Son, who is himself God. Well, John is just saying what he already said in the first three verses. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He's just restating that once again. So, no one has seen God, the one and only Son, who is himself God and is in closest relationship with the Father. Some translations read in the bosom of the Father. Some read at the side of the Father. But what does it say? It says, he has made him known. He has declared him. He has revealed him. He has brought him out into the open. This is the title I gave to the message today. God for all to see. That's who Jesus is. He's God for all to see. Everyone can see God as they behold Jesus. But like I was saying, this was coming progressively to them as time went on because for a long time, as they were with Jesus, they didn't totally understand this. And in John chapter 14, Philip, at one point, Jesus is talking about the Father. Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. And that will suffice. And Jesus says, have I been with you so long and you haven't known me? And then what does he say? Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. Whoever has seen me has seen the Father. So Jesus came so God could be known. That's what the conclusion is. He has brought God out into public view. He has made him known. In the third verse of the 17th chapter of this gospel, Jesus says this. He said, this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. This is what all of this is about. Why does the word become flesh and dwell among us? Because God wants to be known. Because God wants you to know him. Do you know that if the majority of the population would come to know God, the world would be changed overnight. It it would. You know what happens when you meet God? All of us do. We have stories. I can look around this room and in, in my head, I can think of your story and know what happened and how you were changed and how you're so much different And what was the catalyst for that? You came to know God. That's what happened. You came to know God. This is what life is all about. It's first and foremost about knowing God. And so remember, 
As many as received him, to them he gives the power to become the children of God. If you've received him, you've become a child of God. You've been given now eternal life, which doesn't just refer to life that goes on indefinitely, but it refers to a quality of life, a life that cannot be had apart from God. So if you haven't received him, you can do that today. And we're gonna give you an opportunity in just a moment. But I wanna talk as we close to all of those who have believed in him. And let's go back to this idea of why did the word become flesh so that we might know God? I wanna quote from J.I. Packer, his classic book, Knowing God. He said this, what were we made for? What aim should we set ourselves in life? What is the best thing in life, bringing more joy, delight, and contentment than anything else? The answer to all these questions is the same, knowing God. That's, that's what we were made for, to know God. Once you become aware, he says, that that is the main business you are here for, knowing God, most of life's problems fall into place of their own accord. The world today is full of sufferers from the wasting disease known as absurdism. Now, Packer wrote this in the 70s, and absurdism was a more common way of describing the mentality that would say that life is meaningless, even life is a bad joke. So the wasting disease of absurdism and the complaint that nothing tastes. These disorders blight the whole of life. Everything becomes at once a problem and a bore because nothing seems worthwhile. Man, that is the world we live in today. Everything is simultaneously a problem and a bore. And everybody's running around looking for something to fill the void, some kind of meaning, uh, meaning attaching themselves to this cause and this belief and this thing. And then finally deciding it's all meaningless. And so the suicide rate goes up and up and up. What makes life worthwhile is having a big enough objective something which catches our imagination and lays hold of our allegiance. And this the Christian has in a way that no other person has for what is higher, more exalted, and, more com and a more compelling goal. Oh, let me back that up. For what higher, more exalted, and more compelling goal can there be than to know God? The greatest thing in all the world, is to know God. No one has ever seen God, the one and only Son. He has made him known. He has made him known. And so as we seek him, he reveals himself and the Father who he is one with and the Spirit who he is one with. He reveals God to us in ever-increasing ways and life then becomes what it was intended to be, not what we try to make it to be. 
I watched on the plane yesterday on my way home, I watched the movie Respect, the story of Aretha Franklin. Fascinating. She grew up as a pastor's daughter. She was um, singing alongside of Dr. Martin Luther King when she was a child. And eventually she went into the, the, the music world and most of us know her name. We're familiar with her. She became very famous. And she left the Lord and wrecked her life. And she came to a point where she was just a colossal mess. And, and in that desperation, she called out to Jesus. And she returned to the Lord and he restored her. But I was thinking how, and, and she's just one example, but it, it's so true. You know, it, it becomes obvious after a while, if you think about it, that like fame and riches and wealth and all the things that we think are what it's about, those things are actually destructive. There, there's hardly a single human that handles that, any of that stuff. So we're not made for that. Those are false gods. But when you come to know the real God, then, you know, that stuff doesn't even matter. There's something so much greater. When she returned to the Lord, she made so many records by this time, had so many hits. She went to her agent, manager, record producer, said, I want to make a gospel record. He's like, oh, come on. Let's not do that. He's Jewish. He doesn't. He doesn't believe any of that stuff anyway. But he's just telling her, this is going to be a nightmare. This is going to be, this is going to wreck your career. People don't want to hear this stuff. These songs are so irrelevant today. Well, she just said, you know what? I'm going to make this record. And I don't care what you say. I'm not doing it for you or for my fans. I'm doing it for God. But ironically, she made the record and it became her best-selling record of all time. <laughs> so, shows you what her Jewish agent didn't know. But, you know, it's just fresh on my mind watching that film to think of how, so it's as she returns to the Lord, all the things, money and fame and all the things that accompany that, all the things they could never do for her, they were all there waiting in God and in a relationship with him. And so as we close today, this is what it's about. This is what life is about. The word became flesh and dwelt among us to show us his grace, to reveal to us the truth, to bring us to know God because that's where life really is. And like I said earlier, if you happen to be here today, if you don't know God, you can't say, I know God. Through Jesus, well, God wants you to know him. And that's why Jesus came into the world.
And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource on Back to Basics. I know there are so many people that feel like they don't really understand sometimes even the basics of the Christian faith. And a classic book on the topic was written by John Stott, and the book is called Basic Christianity. And this is one of my favorite books because it beautifully and simply but profoundly lays out for us just exactly what the Christian faith is. So I read this book several times over. I read it many years ago. I try to read it every now and again. It's a great book, and I want to recommend it to you, Basic Christianity by John Stott. Again, this month's resource is a book titled Basic Christianity by John Stott. You can order the book Basic Christianity by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book Basic Christianity by John Stott. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the Gospel of John. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.